podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. One of the things I did not ask, which I actually wanted to ask Pierre, maybe you can comment on this, Janaid, is that if so much of the the company is built around this one individual who makes the watches, the 862 watches a year. What what what? How do you plan for? I mean, he's not gonna. I don't want to be morbid, but you know, he's not gonna live forever. So at some point, his art artistry, is he himself making the art is not going to be a possibility. So what? How do you deal with that kind of that kind of thing? You build a brand. Wow. You build a brand. <laughs> That's it. It's that simple. It is that simple. Uh-huh. And um, we've got examples of that. Mm-hmm. Ferrari today, I think, does a great job of encapsulating everything that Enzo stood for. Mm-hmm. I think Chanel does a great job of still being very Coco. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I think, is what the artist owes to its cus- to its customers and clients, that we will make a brand, mm-hmm. that there will be a legacy to follow. Mm-hmm. And that, in effect, goes around to answering Ben's point earlier that what is luxury? Is luxury only champagne and caviar? Mm-hmm. To which I would say that is that is exactly spot on as the present scenario of what he's saying. That is exactly how I experience it. But that doesn't have to be true mm-hmm. because it wasn't true earlier. Mm-hmm. When Jacques Cartier and uh, people from uh, Mr. Appel would travel to the subcontinent and India to put to redesign the jewelry of the Indian Maharajas, mm-hmm. they would change and they would apply their idea of luxury to the Maharaja style. And that is how luxury was perceived. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, again to Ben's point, if it is if you can't sell it, then maybe yes, it is not luxury because now we are connected. If you have made a great object, there is every chance that there is that you can reach out to everybody who would be interested in that object. Mm-hmm. And if you've reached out to all these people and they still don't want to buy it, mm-hmm. then maybe it is not that great. <laughs> and hence it is not luxury. Mm-hmm. Because luxury at all times, going back to the customer centricity point, even though my clients do not know what they want or they don't know right now that they need it or they will like it, Mm -hmm. if it is a luxury product, it is going to tug at some string somewhere. And that process is pretty organic and happens pretty early. Mm -hmm. just, no, just ahead, to piggyback on, on uh, what Junaid said is that you know the, the watch industry is fascinating because it is totally champagne and caviar <laughs> at the surface. Mm-hmm. And then below that, you see 47th Street. And you see <laughs> these guys that are dealing at discounts and pushing stuff out the back door. Mm, and this is completely supported by the industry. Nobody talks about it. Oh, interesting. But 100% supported by this industry. And if, you know, essentially, say you're Brand X. Mm-hmm. You know, we won't name names. But say you're Brand X and your retailer uh, is in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And they don't think that they can sell, you know, as many many watches as somebody in New York can. Makes sense, of course. But these brands will put limits, uh, you know, minimums on their orders. And they say, you have to take X number of, you know, these watches and then these. And so maybe a third to a quarter of those of those products are the ones that they know they can sell. Gotcha. The other 75% are products that, that they probably can't sell or maybe just aren't right for their market or okay. just, you know, they don't have that client base. Mm-hmm. But they have to take them anyway because the guy at the top says, if you're going to carry brand X, you have to have the entire product line, mm-hmm. whether it makes sense or not. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are forced to take the product, and then when they can't sell it, and the next year comes around and says, well, hey, like, you know, aren't you going to re-up on X, Y, and Z? What the, the authorized dealers then do is right out the back door. Oh, interesting. Kick out the back door. And then you see all these things, and that includes Cartier, Rolex, Omega, Patek Philippe, Lange, Journe, I mean, really, truly everybody, um, on 47th Street, on the discount sites, on the, the gray market sites, which, you know, 
uh, they were the, the the first to adopt the internet, so they actually run the internet in terms of the watch world, which is another, again, another conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you have this idea that like the, the Swiss want this very elegant, very composed. Like they want their watches to be to be purchased at full price. They want the the Krug Champagne serve. They want everything to go with it. But in actuality, their partners and in them, in some cases, are really perpetuating this idea. Um, Interesting that it's okay to to kind of move stuff in a, in a in a in a discreet but not so wonderful way. Interesting. And now all of a sudden things are flooded. And you know, I I can tell you after being on 47th Street a few times and going to the, these trade shows, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of undermarket or gray market, gray market trade shows, yeah. mm-hmm. you can get almost anything you want from the these gray market and secondary market players. Uh, and so the the idea of the you know, the Cartier wants you to go into the Cartier boutique on on Fifth Avenue and mm-hmm. pay full price and have that experience, and that's a lovely, truly wonderful experience. But at the end of the day, money is money, mm-hmm. and no matter how wealthy you are, in fact, if you're even wealthier, you you tend to watch this a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you really care about that when you're getting it for thirty five off down mm-hmm. the road on Forty mm-hmm. Seventh Street? Mm-hmm. You clearly do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, I think something that that the folks in Europe have really struggled with, failed with, really, is understanding that like money is money, mm-hmm. and you don't care about the champagne and caviar when you get thirty five percent off. Got Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. I, go I think that is, uh, to Ben's point, that is exactly my experience when I was working for, um, when I launched the Rolex boutique. But just one thing which I noticed, Ben, also, that there comes a point, if we can plan for this, that the discounts and the champagne will definitely not cut it. At that right. level, nobody wants to come in and give me time to have a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. However, what we talked about, the co-creation of value, mm-hmm. where I think the luxury industry has to move mm. to understand that at the Cartier Boutique, I have to give them a great experience. Now, what that great experience stands for, maybe it was champagne a few years ago, definitely not today. Mm. Today, it has to be so much more. My clients, what I've experienced, are very interested in the other clients that I have. Mm. So there's almost this, they're very competitive also. So there's this peer thing happening if, if and if as a luxury brand the way i see it mm-hmm. we have to become nodes we have to become nodes of how we connect and bring diverse talents together mm-hmm. how we bring the best ideas and the best minds through our customers right. which only luxury brand can mm-hmm. but at this point we can sort of safely say that every one of our customer is unique they must have done something right in their life to now be at a stage where they can have a Jean watch. And that becomes the role which I think is very exciting for luxury brands to now do. Mm -hmm. Move away from champagne and caviar from today, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But replace it with some experience which is telling. Yeah, Yeah, and it seems seems that your position, Ben, is a much more progressive position around uh, the understanding of luxury in the the watchmaking space. Talk a little bit about, because you're obviously well uh, steeped in this world and you have a a really good sense of the temperature of what's going on in terms of these trends. Talk a little bit more about these these trends that you're seeing and what you're describing and talking about on Hodinki. Yeah, happily. You know, so we were, I mean, I I grew up digital like like you did, I'm sure, and and you did for sure. So, I mean, the the internet is is, is part of who I am uh, and it it is for all of us. But I think, you know, the, the folks that are in many cases considerably older than you or I and, you know, in many cases, Swiss dwelling, uh, uh, the, the internet is, is not, you know, native right. to them. They just they just don't understand that it is the way that people consume now. Um, and so, you know, the, starting Hodinkee made sense. You know, now all the, the there, believe it or not, there are several dozens of, of watch magazines. Mm-hmm. So these guys are trying to play catch up to us, and they're saying, "Hey, what did Hodinkee get right? You know, all along this, so now how do we catch up with it?" Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it, it never made sense for us to be in print, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the print mm-hmm. is. 
you know, on, on its way out, uh, and we can reach more people quicker with zero overhead. I like, you know, I owned 100% of the company up until about 14 months ago. I did the whole, it was all self-funded. Mm-hmm. We we paid for our employees with the profits we made, mm-hmm. uh, and that is a very different way of thinking than, than I think a lot of people have. Um, but we essentially look uh, for the ways that the normal people are consuming, and I think that is what the, the industry, many luxury industries, do not you know, really understand. Do not really understand. Yeah. Uh, we, we look for the ways that the average guy, you mm-hmm. know, from Philadelphia or San Francisco ever wants to buy a really expensive watch. And how do they want to do it? They want to buy it with a mobile app. They want to press their <laughs> thumb down and get an Apple Pay and have it delivered to their house the next day latest. Super interesting. Uh, and, and that's it. Interesting. We have a caller on the line. We have Jack from Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, he's going to tell us about his first experience buying a luxury watch. Hi, Jack. Are you there? Hi, uh, yes. Yeah, I find it. Thank you, Ben. I, I enjoyed the comments. I was curious to hear your feedback, but I, I didn't really realize what you just said was about the secondary kind of gray market for the for the luxury brands, and it kind of complemented my story. I'm going to just briefly say, but about okay. four years ago, I went to the Omega dealer, and uh, I had a quote printed out from an internet site, and it was about 22, 25% off the, the list price, and I, I wanted to, you know, it was my first night's watch, make sure I was getting an authentic Omega watch. I was a little afraid to buy on the internet, so I tried to negotiate with the dealer, right in King of Prussia, and uh, they wanted nothing to do with this. And I, you know, I said, "Well, I'm going to go on and buy this. You know, I, I don't need you to match the price, but boy, could you just get close in some way?" And so they said, "No, basically, we don't negotiate at all. We keep it, you know, one price for all." And uh, so I went, and the first thing I did when I ordered the watch on the internet is I took it to an Omega dealer and had it appraised because I was kind of panicked that it was a, a fake watch. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it was real, and everything seemed to work out. Yeah, I, that that is a common experience. You know, I, I think uh, people want to to encourage this idea that you, you shouldn't buy high-end things on, online. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give you an idea that the number one watch retailer uh, in the world is eBay. <laughs> they sell uh, a watch every six seconds. Really? You're every six seconds. Uh, and wow. in many cases, not a, not necessarily a high-end watch. Mm-hmm. But if you go on there, you know, you can find a quarter-million-dollar Patek on eBay right now. I, I guarantee really? it. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, they also have a, a very strong Ferrari business on eBay. You know, it's like this is how people are, are consuming now. And the, the traditional players want to to encourage this idea that that is wrong. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, wh- you know, y- you mentioned, sir, of, of buying a watch online and, you know, having this fear that, that something would not be correct with it. And that, that you know, has happened, certainly. And that's why we... We do have this fear kind of deep down that we're not maybe getting the most authentic product. But I would say, you know, four to five times the watch that you buy from from one of these sites is, is, is probably okay. Uh, you know, it might have some replacement parts. It might have some things that are a little bit funky about it. But at the core of it, it's an authentic product. It has a real movement, real serial number, things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the, the gray market is is the X factor of, of luxury everything. Mm. And I think it, it's it's not unique to watches but and jewelry, but it, it is most important to watches and jewelry because imagine going into a uh, a Ferrari dealer and saying, I want the, the Enzo at a discount. It just, it just would not happen. <laughs> yeah. you know, Go into a Chanel boutique and say, "I want the hottest bag of the year at a discount." They would say, "Get that, get the F out." Of here. You know, they, they, <laughs> right. they would laugh you out, you right? Know? Right. And so to go into any, you know, into Wempy on Fifth Avenue or the Rolex store and say, "I want the new Daytona at a discount," or "I want the new, you know, two million dollar Protect at a discount," and expect to get it, it says everything about what's wrong with this industry. Like right. you know, it's been it's ingrained in consumers' heads that they deserve a discount, mm-hmm. uh, and that means that people do not understand the value of mm-hmm. the product that they're that they're purchasing. Mm-hmm. If they believed that this watch was worth the full retail price, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be asking for discount. Right. Very, very interesting. And it just comes back again to people in the industry. Right. That we have to solve for the customer. We have to communicate the value of 
if you want this experience or not. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, mm-hmm. you can have a cup of coffee for 99 cents. You can right. have a cup of coffee for $9. Mm-hmm. And there are places where you can have it for $99. Mm-hmm. The beauty of globalization in this day and age is that every customer now has the choice to choose whichever experience they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the gray market is a reality and it is something which the luxury brand manager has to very actively think about mm-hmm. how to account for. Mm-hmm. The customer should go wherever they find the most value. Mm-hmm. The minute we start creating more value, mm-hmm. this problem will disappear. Interesting. And it does happen. I've seen it with my clients also where mm-hmm. there comes a point where they stop asking for discounts because you over and you go over and above and serve them yeah. so well along other gradients. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, Jorn does a great job at it and there are a few other brands as well. And if you really believe in a brand, is you believe that they're doing something special, mm-hmm. I think that you should want to pay full price, that you should feel good about paying full mm-hmm. price. You know, we're, we're again in this this relationship with our fellow collectors that's competitive and say, oh, I got 20% off, I got 25% off. And it becomes a competition of who can kind of beat the dealer down more. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I think people should be proud of. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you, mm-hmm. this, this is, this is not a necessary item. This is something that you feel emotionally. And if you care about a Jorn or a Parmigiani or a Rolex or whatever, you should feel good about spending what they, what the company deems as the correct retail price for, for that, for the watch. Very, very interesting. I want to thank Jack for that call. I also want to thank uh, my guest, Ben Clymer. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Excellent. You can find more about uh, Ben and Hodinkee at hodinkee.com. That's H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Hodinkee, at H-O-D-I-N-K-E-E. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.